This episode of the 3D Insights podcast is brought to you by SEMI, the leading microelectronics industry association with programs that help its members grow their business and address top challenges worldwide. With a global focus on advocacy, the microelectronics supply chain, sustainability, and workforce development, SEMI works with industry leaders to align goals, share best practices, and accelerate progress. Learn more at SEMI.org. Hi there, I'm Francoise Von Trapp, and this is the 3D Insights Podcast. Hey everyone, this episode was recorded live at Semicon West 2023. In this conversation, we're focusing on the path to net zero, and what can we do to make sure the semiconductor industry grows in a way that is beneficial to the planet and shows cross-industry leadership. Now we just wrapped up another Semicon first, which was the Climate, Equity, and Social Impact Pavilion at Semicon West. And here with me to talk about this are Semi's Dr. Mashmi Bhatt, who is Vice President of Global Sustainability Programs, and Colin O'Mara, who is CEO of the National Wildlife Federation. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Why is the CEO from the National Wildlife Federation here at Semicon West? Yeah, so for, for me, I mean, before I joined the National Wildlife Federation, I actually worked in San Jose for a few years. So this is sort of a, a homecoming. But I think, you know, for me, like, there is no path to a kind of a climate resilient future that doesn't have the semiconductor industry as, as a partner. And there's really no way to a more just and equitable solution without figuring out ways to have the, the amazing companies in this room create economic opportunities and employment opportunities for millions of young people. So, you know, it seems a little counterintuitive. I'd normally be out, you know, fishing or, you know, chasing, chasing, uh, you know, chasing bears or something these weeks. But I think it's important for us to be here to show how these solutions um, really do fit together. And it's not, it's not a mission kind of a creep for the industry. If anything, it's kind of a necessity to achieve the goals they bravely committed to last year. So can you tell me about the climate equity and social impact program that we just had at Semicon West a little bit? Yeah, I can start. Last year, as you know, we launched our uh, Semiconductor Climate Consortium, which mm-hmm. is focused on um, path to net zero, uh, zero emissions, basically the environmental stewardship piece of it. What we're trying to do this year is create that bridge to the S of ESG mm-hmm. and to talk about the fact that everything we do in our environmental stewardship actually also has an impact on the other two P's, which is people and profit. And we are essentially focusing on the people piece of it. So that's this whole piece around climate equity and social impact. Yeah, and, and I think folks in this room have known for a long time, but folks are realizing that semiconductors are at the heart of pretty much every climate solution of any of any you know, significance on the on, on the path to net zero. Um, at the same time, there's a fairly large environmental footprint from activities, and there's a huge economic opportunity to help lift up communities that have been left behind, to help reduce pollution in communities that have been overburdened, to help young people have career opportunities. And so trying to show the intersectionality of how these different opportunities present themselves at a you know conference that's normally kind of very technology-focused, but showing that there is a people piece that has to be you know, front and center if we're going to achieve these multiple goals at the same time. So what did the program involve as far as bringing together leaders from the industry? The first piece we're trying to do is education, awareness, and more of a translation, if you will call them. That's kind of what we're trying to accomplish here. A translation from what we do in our daily jobs, which is technology, finding te- technology-related solutions for environmental issues, but also making the translation to how does all that 
also have a positive impact on the society. And some of the concepts that we are bringing up over here are climate equity, climate justice, just transition, and social impact. In many ways, they are all connected, but this is the language or the jargon that our very technical uh, you know, ecosystem does not use as much, basically bringing up that awareness. So are these common terms? I mean, they are in the environmental universe. Okay. Right? And I think, you know, and, and for folks that have been mainly thinking about chemical or electrical engineering and thinking about, you know, how to maximize profits, um, it's a way to introduce these concepts and hopefully a way that's connected to what they're doing and they kind of see the, the synergies that are possible. You know, I, I think, you know, the average person right now doesn't really think about all the massive applications of semiconductor technology and renewable energy and electric vehicles and advanced agriculture and, and uh, the industrial sector. And so beginning to kind of connect some dots with hopefully some common terms that folks can begin to use um, as a way to show that we can achieve these multiple objectives as Mahmi just laid out perfectly, that you know, we can help you know, create career opportunities, we can help lift up communities in ways that um, really haven't been a big part of the conversation at kind of tech conferences in the past. We'll be right back to our episode after a word about Trimax Semiconductor. Now, Trimax's core business supports semiconductor manufacturers around the world with innovative plasma-based solutions. Its primary emphasis is photoresist stripping, a critical process needed to adequately remove the photoresist layer from a semiconductor wafer. With its innovative solutions, Trimax's goal is to meet the most stringent requirements and deliver advanced processing capabilities to push the boundaries of the semiconductor industry. For more information, visit www.trimax-semiconductor.com. And now back to our conversation. One of the things that we're really excited about is that there seems to be growing awareness of like the need to build a pipeline of talent that to kind of fill some of these opportunities. And one of the things that have come out of the partnership with Semi is that um, this, this concept of this, this if a climate equity collaborative that brings together some of the leading semiconductor companies, companies in other sectors, companies like GM and, and many others, um, with government and nonprofits to basically figure out ways to engage youth. And you know, and you, you mentioned this earlier, that there's there's so much energy among youth that want to be part of a climate solution that don't understand how to plug in. There's lots of opportunities for activism on policy, um, but there's also tens of millions of jobs. And so one of the things that we're working on right now, and one of the things we highlighted at the pavilion today, was really trying to focus on you know, how do we have those partnerships to create those economic opportunities for young people, not when they're in high school or college or trade school, but really starting elementary and middle school, really right. trying to make it you know, so they see, the, they see themselves in these industries, to see themselves as part of the semiconductor industry, and having that be a place where they can both do well and also do good at the same time. You need to tear a page out of the playbook of Costa Rica, how they teach ecology from kindergarten on. Exactly, exactly. And then having that be being something that we're proud of in our education right. system and making it, you know, making hands on, making sure it's fully inclusive, making sure that, you know, that you know, one of the things we're working on with a lot of companies here today are um, having more connections between the companies and the schools that are in their backyard, making sure that the kids that are close by see themselves as having to work there. If we're going to be building fabs all across the country, which is fabulous, like how do we make sure that those like, local folks have an opportunity to have those employment opportunities that frankly a lot of them never even considered because they never even connected the dot that somehow a semiconductor company could be connected to the climate. So what do we mean by climate equity? 
So the biggest thing is having solutions that really lift up all all communities. And so, you know, we know that like lower income you know, communities of color largely are hit first and worst by climate impacts. You know, they they tend to be in areas that are more prone to floods or fires or extreme extreme temperatures. And so, you know, the communities that had in many cases in, in a U.S. context the absolute least to do in terms of contributing to the problem are the worst impacted. Globally, it's it's the same thing. And so, you know, trying to make sure that we have solutions that are addressing these historical inequities um, in ways that we're not just simply solving a technology problem, but we're actually trying to uh, in- infuse kind of broader economic and social equity into a, into a solution set to get us where we need to go when that's zero. I'll give you an example of uh, equity, and I'll use the example of EV equity, which is electric vehicle uh, equity. Uh, GM actually has a great program, and they're in our uh, session today. And one of the things they're trying to do is put in charging stations across America in the places that are hard to get to so that everybody can have access to an electric vehicle. That's something that you can think of as EV equity. There's a whole lot involved in that. We don't have to go down that path. Um, But as far as like standards and standardization of charging stations and you know, compatibility with the different vehicles. Just well, and, and just on that on that point, I mean, there was there's been a lot of progress on the standardization. My biggest concern is an economic one, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, if the average car in this country turns over between seven and thirteen years, if the entry price for an electric vehicle is, you know, and, and they're getting a lot cheaper, but even twenty five thousand dollars for a new vehicle, and there isn't a large secondary market because there just aren't that many used vehicles in the market yet. Like, how do we make sure that everyone has, you know, access to those really technologies? Good point. Yeah. And, and in, that, in that particular case. Um, we also know that like a lot of the places where if you put more EVs on the road, the benefits for the health are even even higher because you have that kind of density of pollute, right, you know, right. particulate matter that you can help eradicate if you have more EVs. We got to make sure the economics work for a family just trying to put food on the table. Right. It's great if you can charge your car anywhere, but if you can't afford that car to begin exactly. with, what's the point? Sometimes I feel like we come up with these ideas or these solutions when we don't really understand the root of the problem because we're not living in that low-income area. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. You can count on Nordson Test and Inspection for best-in-class test, inspection, and metrology solutions for semiconductor applications. The Quadra 7 Pro MXI system offers superior 3D and 2D manual inspection with higher resolution for back-end applications. Its advanced Onyx detector technology delivers superior image clarity and faster frame rates. The flexible dual-mode Quadra NT4 tube has two brightness and resolution modes for easy switching depending on your application needs. The intuitive interface, optimized workflow, and enhanced functionality of the revaluation software makes it easy to use. Learn more at Nordson.com. We're back and we're talking with Mashmi Bhatt and Colin O'Mara about climate equity and social impact. We know that semiconductor manufacturing has one of the largest carbon footprints, but on the flip side, they're also providing the solution to addressing the climate crisis. So what do you see as the greatest opportunity for the semiconductor industry in here? Yeah, I mean, on the sustainability side, I mean, obviously, you know, huge energy inputs are needed and fuel inputs are needed to kind of produce, you know, kind of run the big fabs of the, of the country and the world. Hopefully we'll be more in the U.S. as part of that. Um, you know, huge water in, you know, kind of inputs and water usage. I think there are opportunities to have the, the industry itself be more sustainable. So if you're seeing a lot more water recycling and reuse right now, we're seeing you know, less harmful inputs. We're seeing 
you know, energy consumption coming more from renewables and cleaner sources. And so, like, I feel like the industry is moving very quickly in that in terms of like addressing their immediate footprint. I think when you look more broadly across the opportunities to help clean up the, the entire economy, almost every solution has semiconductors at the middle of it, right? So whether it's advanced transportation or thinking about how we repower the way we make things in this country or, you know, the way that we do agriculture, having better data that's, you know, kind of has kind of high volumes of information applying to decisions. Um, and all of those are, are kind of chip applications in big ways. And so, you know, I think the footprint is a part of it, kind of the, you know, kind of early scope kind of emissions, but the opportunities across the huge, so the, the entire value chain are just massive. When you look at the big picture, semiconductors contribute to the solution more than they contribute to the problem. I think that's fair. I mean, I think I think we also got to be careful because there are places where like localized impacts of kind of old production models have had adverse impacts on local communities. But yeah, I mean, like there's there's just like I said, there's no way to get to a net zero future without semiconductors being at the heart of the solution set. Yeah, actually, I have two examples on that that I want to share with you. We had a session earlier where the this high school kid, Anna Kartikeya, and she was at the panel, and she's the founder of uh, Big the Bay Beautiful. Her mission is around working with e-waste and bringing all that down. And she said something profound at the end, which was very heartwarming for, for me to hear. And she said, let's use technology to take care of the, the waste that's generated by technology. And what she was talking about is, let's be smart about how we address all the e-waste that's generated. So that's one that was a learning moment for me. The other one uh, that we heard again this morning was uh, the folks from um, SEI, the Stockholm Environmental Institute and the World Economic Forum that talked about Ansonoma Technology who talked about the Alliance for Clean Air and the effort that's going in towards pollution control. And their message was there are some solutions that we're not even aware of that we are putting out there. And so one of them is as we drive our greenhouse gases down, apparently we're also making an impact to all the polluting molecules that are in there. And we don't even know about this. And so if we start accounting for it, understanding it, then we can be more intentional about it and we can work on cleaning up the air as well. So that, those were two learning moments for me today. Do you think the urgency of this climate situation is fully grasped by the leaders in semiconductor manufacturing? So I can say an absolute yes to the fact that companies are, have really stepped up their, their work in terms of driving towards net zero. Um, we, as we heard on day two, which was had the focus of the path to net zero, there are industry leaders that are not just pushing the envelope towards net zero for their own corporation, but they're actually bringing the entire community along and providing solutions for the rest of the community. And I think that's a huge transformation in terms of just stepping up the journey to net zero to be a community and a collaborative journey like we had all wanted it to be and hoped for it. Mm -hmm. Yes, I feel like we've been talking about this for the past couple of years and we've sort of progressed from where maybe there were issues of kicking the can down the road, let's take care of our company and now it's the problem of this other company. But through a lot of collaboration and conversation, you see the progress. Attending Semicon West, attending ITF, where they also focused on some of the same topics that Semicon West focused on, and one of them being the path to net zero. And it really is top of mind. I think the urgency is finally clicking in that, you know, 2030, it's not like bringing autonomous vehicles to the market where 2025 was this target date that didn't happen. We don't have a choice. 
but to hit our target dates and even accelerate progress if possible, right? And this isn't something that is just like when we have technology goals that we can push it out and say, well, we didn't get there, but we can get there next year. You know, that's not the case. It's much more critical that we really pay attention, not to get on the soapbox myself. <laughs> well, I loved what Colin said this morning. Colin said, we don't have five years. It has to be within the next year or two. And I think that's a very powerful message. And I hope that we can bring that into the floor through the rest of the days that we have in here. I can tell you that with the Climate Consortium, which we launched at COP27 last year, which is at November, we absolutely have gone from PowerPoints to actually taking action. And to me, that is a transformation I'm seeing like right in front of my eyes, and this is really, really heartening. Yeah, and, and I give Semi a ton of credit for this, because I, I do think, and, and you know, Mushmi and, and Ajit and others have basically said, like, look, we, we became really good at setting goals that are somebody else's responsibility, right? right. 2040, 2050, 2075, right. 2100 in some cases. Um, we need near-term action. And mm -hmm. I think that, you know, if anything of the events the last of the last year have shown, like, things are a lot worse than we anticipated. And so, like, having the industry have that sense of urgency for early action, recognizing that they, they have an impact themselves, but they also have a potential to actually kind of galvanize and kind of mobilize the entire private sector is a huge opportunity and a big, pretty big burden. I mean, I think there's a, um, you know, looking at upstream critical minerals and kind of rare earth minerals that are used in the in a lot of the different products. Like, think about the downstream e-waste program uh, products that we, uh, impacts that we've been talking about. But we have to act now. The tomorrow we've been talking about for a long time is it's today. It. So, yeah. so if that's the case, then how would we act accordingly? And it's not the time for you know spreadsheets and you know graphs that go out for years. It's how do we take action right now? They're going to hopefully um, you know create lasting change for years to come. I'm sure that was powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And I would like to add that we topped off climate equity and social impact session with a call to action. So we've got three A's going on, which is a call to action, amplification and accountability. We had this huge launch of committing or promising to impact a million lives. So it's no more about should be, could be, would be. It's more about what are we doing now and are we holding ourselves accountable? Yeah, I think Ajit added that on to the ESG, right? It's an ESGA. It's not just about what we can do in our lifetime. You know, we have a whole generation, several generations beyond us that are going to be left holding the bag if we don't take care of it now. And they're, and it's the world that they're going to be living in. In the past few years, different companies had set different target goals. Some said 2030, some said 2050, some said 2040. Are we getting everybody on the same page at this point? Yeah, actually that is the exciting part about the Climate Consortium. Um, we have those that have goals for 2030, goals that 2040 and 2050 in the consortium. Mm -hmm. And as we have acknowledged and understood, it's not a journey you can go alone. Right. So company A might have a 2030 goal, but they're not going to be able to achieve that if company B, who is upstream in their value chain, has a goal of 2050. So what the consortium conversation is forcing, the discussion it's forcing is, how do we make sure that we all manage to get there together? Because that's the only way to get there together. Right. Everybody has to do their part, pull their weight, Individuals have to do their part and pull their weight, so it's even harder for a company to get everybody on the same page. I mean, I mean, is it doable? I mean, I think it. I think it is. It just requires you know strong institutions like that to bring people together to have those conversations. But I, this is why I like the I like the A the accountability because it's not just accountability to like for one's own company, but it's to each other. 
right? And so, you know, I think one of the things that I'm really excited about is the energy around the climate uh, climate equity collaborative because I, I think that it's another way to get folks talking kind of across sectors, across government, across you know the nonprofit sector, across companies to again hold each other accountable, right? So we're actually doing the work together, recognizing that no one can do this alone. Well, I am super excited to see where we take this next. And I want to thank you both for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you, Francois. Thank you so much. On Monday, July 31st, get ready for an exclusive interview with Semi-CEO Ajit Manocha as he shares his key takeaways from Semicon West 2023. Then on August 3rd, we'll be wrapping up our coverage of Semicon West with the 3D Insights Member Spotlight Semicon West Edition. There's lots more to come, so tune in next time to the 3D Insights Podcast. The 3D Insights Podcast is a production of 3D Insights, LLC.